On Enmeshed, we discuss crimes and situations that may be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Enmeshed, the show that reveals some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family. Enmeshed family members are fused together by unhealthy emotions instead of the strong bonds that signal a well-functioning family. Boundaries are blurred and unhealthy relationship patterns are formed. Hello and welcome to Enmeshed, the podcast that explores family relationships and crime. I'm Amanda. And I'm Pam. And today's story covers gangsters, a kidnapping, and one suspicious typewriter. We're talking about the wife of American gangster Machine Gun Kelly, Catherine Thorne Kelly, and her grip on her husband George. You know, everyone always assumes that it's the gangsters that put their wives and girlfriends on the wrong path. It's so refreshing to see a woman who didn't need a man to make her a bad guy. We'll get a little cameo from another gangster-era woman who is calling the criminal shots as we get into it. This is a really fun episode with surprisingly little bloodshed. So let's set the stage. We're starting our story in the 1920s in Fort Worth, Texas, where Catherine Brooks has already been divorced twice by the time she was about 19 years old. She also has a daughter named Pauline from her first marriage when she was just 14 years old. The early 1920s were a time of change and expansion. It wasn't called the Roaring Twenties for nothing. Women were experiencing societal freedoms that had previously been considered far too shameful to even think about. The mass production of cars meant greater access to all kinds of new forms of entertainment and everyday luxuries, not to mention a larger social circle. And the fashion. Who doesn't love the flapper dress? Love a flapper dress. The 1920s were also known for prohibition. This was when the American government effectively outlawed alcohol. Before long, the black market around booze was extremely lucrative, and with that kind of money comes crime, especially the organized kind. But we'll get into that in a little bit. While Fort Worth, Texas may not have been as metropolitan as New York City or Chicago, it was booming in its own right with railroads, the meatpacking industry, oil production, and the early days of its commercial aviation legacy that, if you've ever flown into DFW, you're familiar with today. So there was money, and with that money and prohibition combined, you had bootleggers, which are people who illegally transported alcohol to the highest bidder under the noses of federal law enforcement. But back to Catherine. Now we've painted the picture of what was going on around her at the time. We're not certain exactly when all of this happened in the 1920s, but Catherine married a local bootlegger named Charlie Thorne. We can make a lot of assumptions here about their relationship, which many outlets have repeatedly called quarrelsome. Catherine would have been in her early 20s with two failed marriages under her belt, and Charlie was a criminal in his own right. Tensions were probably pretty high, to say the least. 
And after one such tense evening, Charlie was found dead of a gunshot wound with a typed suicide note near his body. Just a little suspicious, albeit the judge overlooked the fact that Charlie was illiterate. You've got to be kidding. Nope. So with a dead third husband, his money, and some stolen cash that she was also inexplicably able to get away with in a totally separate incident, you'd think Catherine would want to lay low. Well, I'm here to tell you that's just not her style. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Are you planning an event with audio and visual needs but are not sure where to start? Waves Entertainment can help. Waves Entertainment is your premier full-service management company with high-quality custom solutions for any size event. Whether you are planning a large festival or concert, a corporate meeting or wedding, Waves Entertainment will power your event to excellence. Our team of industry professionals work closely with your vision to ensure your audience hears every word, sees every detail, and remembers the experience. Our goal is to ensure your event is customized to fit your needs and provide professional-grade equipment to amplify your message. From live stage production and talent booking to vendor coordination, event staffing, and more, Waves Entertainment is your one-stop shop for the perfect event. Visit our website, wavesentertainment.com, or give us a call at 704-662-2435. That's 704-662-2435. Waves Entertainment, powering your event to excellence. So to recap, Catherine Kelly has a set of balls. She sure does. And by this point, Catherine is enjoying her life, her ill-begotten money, and all the little glimmers and interests of the Roaring Twenties. And this is when she catches the eye of another bootlegger and convicted bank robber, Mr. George Kelly. George was a handsome guy with sparkling blue eyes, and Catherine was actually a looker herself. George had his own history of criminal mischief, which is mainly robbery. Even so, he wasn't a fan of weapons. However, Catherine understood the importance of building your own brand, even if it was a badass brand. As they built their own little crime family of two, she bought him his first machine gun and insisted he practice shooting. She started sowing seeds of his prowess with the Thompson submachine gun throughout underground crime circles, and that's how we've come to know Machine Gun Kelly. It's only 2% what you say and 98% how you say it, and Catherine was effective. By the time the fashionable couple, Catherine and George, were married, it was obvious that prohibition was on its last legs. With little enforcement and easier everyday access to alcohol, bootlegging became less and less lucrative. In addition, banks were no longer a steady source of cash for robbers because of the onset of the Great Depression. Career criminals like Catherine and George were looking for another way to make some cash. So I'm guessing they don't get a job. Well, their answer came in 1933 when the infamous Barker-Karpus gang, led by the ruthless matriarch Ma Barker, 
had secured themselves a $100,000 ransom by kidnapping the wealthy president of a brewing company in St. Paul, Minnesota. So not long after, the two concocted a kidnapping plan of their own. Along with accomplice Albert Bates, George would storm into the home of oil tycoon Charles Urschel, kidnap him, and hide him in Catherine's mother's farmhouse until a ransom was paid. On July 22, 1933, Albert and George went to the Urschel home in Oklahoma City. There, they discovered two men and their wives playing a game of bridge. When neither man would admit to being Urschel, Albert and George kidnapped them both at gunpoint. Driving to the outskirts of the city, they stopped to check the identification on the men and, upon figuring out who was who, stole money off the guest and kicked him out of the car before driving off to the farmhouse. Of course, Albert and George had warned the wives not to call the police, but thankfully they did immediately after they were gone. And when they kicked this other man, a Mr. Jarrett, out of the car, they told him not to tell anyone which way they were going. When police found him, he obviously pointed out the direction the car was traveling. It's just kind of funny how these criminals expect people to comply once they leave. A few days went by, and even though law enforcement was receiving a ton of tips once the kidnapping gained media attention, none of them ended up being credible. This changed on July 26th when a friend of Urschel's received a package containing a handful of typewritten notes from Urschel. One was directed to the friend, Mr. Caitlett, asking that he act as the intermediary for his release. Another letter was for Mrs. Urschel, and then there were a couple of notes with directions on how to proceed delivering $200,000 for the release of Charles Urschel. This was the largest payout ever requested during this time, double what the Barker Carpus gang had gotten just a few weeks earlier. You have to remember that all these gangsters, Bonnie and Clyde, the Dillinger crime family, the Barker Carpus gang, everybody knew about each other through the media and were just trying to outdo one another all the time. According to my calculations, that ransom is about $4 million in today's money. At the time, the FBI wasn't going to stand in the way of the ransom negotiations by investigating who their kidnappers could be. Their main concern was getting Urschel home unharmed, and later they could sort out who had taken him and who had typed up those notes. On July 31st, after a successful drop-off of the money, Urschel was released near Norman, Oklahoma, with $10 and his life. He spent the day being interviewed by FBI agents before returning home close to midnight. Despite little sleep during his captivity, he was able to recall many details about his time with his kidnappers, including farmyard sounds, a couple of houses he'd been transported between, the weather on each day, and the sound of planes flying overhead. The FBI began piecing his story together using meteorological data and plane schedules. As they neared Catherine's mother's farmhouse, they began hearing reports that Catherine and George had been seen in the vicinity during the time in question, 
and the location looked similar to Urschel's recollection. No doubt, FBI agents have their shit together. On August 12th, less than two weeks after Urschel's release, the FBI executed a raid on the farmhouse and captured not only Catherine's mother, Ora, as well as Ora's husband, Robert, but also an escaped convict by the name of Harvey Bailey, who was wanted in connection to the murder of three police officers. George and Catherine, though, weren't anywhere to be found. Urschel recognized the farmhouse and recognized Robert, and Ora and Robert told the police everything about George and Catherine, except their whereabouts. While in hiding, the Kellys sent threatening letters to the Urschels and the assistant attorney general in an attempt to intimidate witnesses and arrange for Ora's release. In the early hours of September 26th, after investigation, law enforcement raided the boarding house in Memphis, where George and Catherine were hungover and hiding, with an unarmed George yelling, quote, Don't shoot, G-men, unquote. While the arrest of this infamous duo would have been front-page news on any other day, their apprehension was overshadowed by the escape of 10 inmates in Indiana, many of whom would go on to become members of the Dillinger gang. Just a few weeks later, the Kellys were rather quickly convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment. Their trial was unique in a number of ways. It was the first televised federal criminal trial, the first in which defendants were transported by plane, and the first federal court case following the passage of the Lindbergh Law, which made kidnapping a federal crime. Interesting. I bet there's a great podcast about the Lindbergh baby. Yeah, it's such an interesting story. So Machine Gun Kelly spent the last 21 years of his life behind bars at Alcatraz in Leavenworth, dying of a heart attack in 1954 on his 59th birthday. Catherine was able to serve her prison sentence alongside her mother, Hello Again and Meshment, and both were released in 1958 from a Cincinnati prison after 25 years, four years after George's death. She changed her name to Lara Cleo Kelly and lived a quiet life with her mother in Oklahoma until her death in 1985 at the age of 81. In spite of his enduring fame, Machine Gun Kelly never killed anyone and only shot the machine gun at tin cans. Maybe you're wondering how the musician Machine Gun Kelly got his nickname. Well, the rapper's stage name is a reference to his rap style, which flows at a rapid fire pace. Who knows, maybe he will listen to this episode. And that's a wrap for today. See you all next week for a new episode of Enmeshed. Thank you for listening. All of our sources are in today's show notes, as well as those important resources. You can find us at enmeshed underscore true crime podcast on Instagram or enmeshed true crime podcast on Facebook and let us know what you think. You can also get a behind the scenes look at the show and chat with us about any of the cases you've heard here or share case suggestions. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to keep up with enmeshed and join us every Monday for fresh takes on stale relationships. Enmeshed is an Oh No production. Oh no.